We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my amazing friends and beautiful listeners. You know, it seems like making mistakes is a natural part of life, and it is rare that success comes without working on a relationship with ourselves and experiencing some often painful learning opportunities. I often say life is like going to a buffet, and we get to choose and refine and then re-choose and redefine what it is we really want. I believe we are all on the hero's journey, but even the hero doesn't go smoothly on his path without some stumbling blocks or some challenges. So if you're like me and like most of the people I know, you may be wanting to make the choice to go for greater success and deeper fulfillment. If so, you're in the right place here today. We're so fortunate to have a wonderful teacher and mentor with us on Journey to Center. August Turek is a successful entrepreneur, corporate executive, and award-winning author who attributes much of his success to living and working alongside the Trappist monks of Memphis Abbey for 17 years. August has enjoyed a corporate career with MTV. He then founded and sold two very successful software businesses for $150 million. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Business Week, and as a popular leadership contributor at Forbes.com. He has written an amazing book called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. And it's been published by Columbia Business School Publishing. So, August, thanks for being here today on Empower Radio. Thanks for having me, Tammy. Okay, I need to say your last name again. Tarak. Correct, yeah. Okay, perfect. I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. So now, first, August, right out of the gate, can you tell me a little bit about who the Trappist monks are? Well, the Western monastic tradition goes all the way back to the rule of St. Benedict. And Saint, back in the 6th century, St. Benedict established a rule, and that's where the Benedictine um, monks came from. And then around the 11th century, the... Um, some monks thought that the Benedictines were getting a little soft, so they decided to reform the order. They started a, uh, a branch called the Cistercians, which were really rugged, uh, getting really getting back to really isolated places. And um, and then six, five or six hundred years later, in the 19th century, the um, some of the Cistercians thought they were getting a little soft. So there was a monastery called La Trappe in uh, France. And they reformed the order again, went back to their rugged roots, which in the Trappist, uh, the Cistercian tradition included silence and and um, hard work, etc. And uh, they became that reform was so successful that it spread worldwide. Especially most all of the Cistercian monasteries in the United States go back to La Trappe, and that is where the nickname Trappist comes from, from La Trappe, the French monastery. Very cool. So you're a businessman. How the heck did you get involved with these pious, pious monks? Well, you know, it's funny that you would say that because I don't consider myself a businessman. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who is a businessman, by the way. You know, but he's a businessman, and he was asking me uh, how he could make sure that his uh, second marriage would be successful. And I said to him, I, I said, Lev, I said, everything in your life has to change. He got really excited. What do you mean? He said, uh... 
um, I don't drink, I don't run around, etc. What do you mean everything? In my life? I said, your first marriage failed because you are a businessman who happened to have a wife. I said, if you want to be successful with your second marriage, you have to become a husband who happens to have a business. And to me, the secret to the Trappist success is that they are really spiritual people who happen to have a business, not business people who mess around with spirituality once in a while. And my whole life, I've, spirituality has always been the central focus ever since I was 20 years old. So to me, in a similar way to the way the monks are, um, my, my business career, and I've had, yes, a very substantial and, God bless, a very successful uh, business career, has been the byproduct of my spiritual path, not the other way around, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I say all the time, go for God, and all things can be added unto thee. I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to focus on my career and get the money, and, and that their spirituality is either second or in a different box or something. And you're saying it can be all one and the same. It's okay I, for, I it almost, to go for the spirituality, almost, and you can have success. I think it almost has to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to be very uh, explicit about Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, my book. You know, it's not a, a, a religious book. It doesn't require you to buy into Catholicism or even Christianity or even to be a believer. But I do leave the options open throughout the whole book. I'm not, I don't think I keep a very good secret about where my particular feelings lie. But I, I say in the book, I said, you know, you can take it literally uh, if you're a Christian, or you could take it metaphorically if you're not, or, or even if you're an atheist. But... If you seek first the kingdom of heaven, everything else will take care of itself. And what I define as heaven in Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks is a higher purpose to your life, that everybody needs to have a higher purpose to their life, that we're all longing to have one, that we're happiest when we do, that we're actually most productive, happiest, and most fulfilled when we're actually not selfishly achieving, but actually giving ourselves away, actually sacrificing for something bigger than ourselves. Oh, yes, I totally agree. You write about the process of transformation and the hero's journey from selfishness to selflessness, to be of service, not just an an indulgent life. That's not going to bring us fulfillment. It is the being of service. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, first of all, you know, I I intentionally am very provocative in the very first chapter of the book because I said despite all the relative notions that are so popular today – The purpose of life is not a matter of taste, and every single one of us, whether we're willing to admit it or not, have the exact same purpose in life. We are put here on this planet to be transformed from a selfish to a selfless person. And of course, if you think of all the different religious traditions, one of the things that they all have in common, if not the central thing they all have in common, is that the the journey is a journey to get rid of the ego to become more selfless. Yes. And now that, to me, that doesn't mean that, that, that we're constraining diversity in any way, shape, or form. You know, you can be selfless through doing what you're doing with your radio show, Tammy, and, and someone else can be doing it through, through, their, uh, through being a mother or a father or, or, or building a business or whatever. But uh, so we have limited, limitless options for how we're going to, to behave selflessly. But I believe that our purpose, our, our mission for all of our lives is to become a selfless person. And this brings us back to this hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talked about. Because Joseph Campbell went all over the world and he studied all the religious traditions and the folk tales and the myths, and he saw that what was repeated like clockwork was this idea of a hero's journey. 
<clears throat> and the hero starts out, and he's called, and that's what's called a vocation, and then he resists the call, and then he has to go into the desert and be trained by Yoda standing over him saying, Don't try, do! <laughs> and then finally he gets the, he gets puts up all this power, but then he's always tested. Is he going to use the power for good, which is selflessness, or is he going to use it for selfishness, like Darth Vader take, turns to the dark side? And so, um, and then the next uh, stage is always the death and rebirth, um, where the hero has to learn that he can't do it himself; that he needs he has to reach out to others, um, either metaphor, uh, literally or sometimes it's metaphorically reaching out to God um, for grace. And then finally, there's the return to help other people. And this is a uh, abbreviated form of, of, of uh, what Campbell was talking about, but I say you can abbreviate it even further by saying every, the hero's journey is a journey from selfishness to selflessness, but it's a transformational journey. You become these things. You don't learn them. You can't learn selflessness any more than you can um, become a golfer by reading a book. You know, you have to practice and work at it. Yeah, and it is. It is a practice, and it can be a very challenging process. And I I just uh, think your book would be a wonderful companion and guide for anybody who's uh, wanting greater success and feeling frustrated or confused or, uh, you know, I like how you talk about it. Am I in the desert or am I just not supposed to be going this direction? That can be a good question to ask oneself if they're in some pain. Absolutely. That's in the monastic tradition. That's called discernment. You know, you pray for mm-hmm. discernment to know whether you know. Uh, because yes, it's it's each one of these stages is. It depends on what you're. You know, um, how, how you look at it. I mean, if you walk, if you take the assumption that you're supposed to be giddily happy all the time, uh, then you're going to miss the fact that maybe not. Maybe you're you're here in the de- the desert's not supposed to be quote unquote fun all the time. I, I doubt if Luke Skywalker ha, having uh, Yoda standing over him sc- shouting, don't try, do, was a, was a lot of fun. Uh, as a matter of fact, I always note that with people when I'm talking about the hero's journey. I said, with, with so many of the greatest movies, the ones that have been so successful from Star Wars to Matrix to Groundhog Day um, and the Truman Show and all, are all based on the, on the hero's journey, this Joseph Campbell model. And, uh, and we love to go and watch... <clears throat> the hero go to the desert and have some uh, kick-butt uh, teacher who, who, um, who makes his life basically miserable. Think of The Devil, the devil Wears Prada, where Anne Hathaway's character uh, is working for um, uh, Meryl Streep, um, and she is just making her life miserable. But this is the fiery furnace. This is, the, this is what, what transforms her. Um, it's the alchemy, almost, of turning her from dross into gold in terms of character by going through this process. And so a lot of times, the very things that we think are um, bad or, or negative are actually the positive things that we learn to see it the right way. The other thing I would throw into that is what's so critical that the monks have and is community, is having other people to help you with this discernment. Yeah, it's uh, hard to heal alone. It's so hard to find your way alone. You know, even, even in Dante's Inferno, you know, when he says he's, he gets lost in the in middle age in the woods, you know, um, and he's so desperate, you know, at least, you know, even he ends up getting a uh, Virgil comes to help him, you know, as a guide. Um, very, very hard to do. We get so many people try to do this completely alone. And I think it's very, very, uh, I, you know, it's in my, in business, I Trappist monks, I even say kind of harshly, but to, in order to you know, get people's attention, I said, listen, I think that most of the 
whole industry called self-help is a waste of time because very few of us have the uh, ability to stay the course when things get really, really rough, when everybody else is heading for the exits, when everybody else is taking the money and running. Um, uh, the, the kind of character that you need to stay the course and say, listen, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to go this other way of selflessness takes a very, very strong character, and usually you need a community of people to help you. Yes, I, I see it as being like spiritual rock climbers and cultivating a community. It's like where we can support each other, point out each other's blind spots, be each other's cheerleaders. And, and I like something one of my friends once said, oh, we can't do it alone because alone is an illusion. We're all one. I was like, that's true. It's the difference of one L. You know, it's, it's an illusion to think we're doing this alone or that we can do it alone. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's a, <clears throat> a problem we have with our churches or even our yoga clubs or whatever the thing is. Or, or we usually park our personal lives at the door. And it's considered even um, D class A to, but, to bring it up. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's the decisions that we make. I mean, I, meet, I tell the story early in my book, uh, In Business Secrets of Trappist Monks, about how I had just uh, told some college students that I would coach them spiritually on a volunteer basis if they formed a, a club at North Carolina State University. No sooner did that happen than I got a telephone call offering me a, uh, a dream job if I was willing to move to Washington, D.C. It was to actually become executive vice president of United Press International. And I turned the job down. I knew the man who called me for the job. He was a friend of mine. And I, I said, I can't do it. He said, Why? I said, you need me to move to Washington, D.C., and I just promised these college kids, that I, these five college kids, that I would coach them on a weekly basis. And he said, you mean to tell me you're going to give up this dream job and come and, you know, and all this money and everything just because you... And I said, well, you know, I said, I've given them my, my word. And, uh, and so I turned down that job and actually did a tremendous amount of damage at the time to my reputation in the business because... I got a little bit of a reputation for being a little bit eccentric, to say the least. But in the long run, it turned out to be tremendous because United Press International ended up folding. Uh, I ended up, as a result, starting my own businesses, business, which ended up being two businesses, which, as you mentioned in the, in the introduction, ended up being, we, we ended up selling them to a BMC Software for $150 million in cash. <clears throat> so and this is exactly how the whole model works. If you live the life, if you stick to your guns, if you have the faith to, to keep it, I look back over my entire life. If you live that way, um, what looks like the smart play and the safe bet is not the smart play and the safe bet. And the thing that you end up doing is the thing that ends up paying off. And then people say to you, wow, you were really smart. You had a real <laughs> business strategy there. How did you know that? You know, not, to, to not go to UPI and start your own business instead. The fact is I didn't. Yes. Yeah, what I hear you saying is that you're not necessarily living a life from your intellect or what makes sense from the ego's perspective, but more of a soul-based life. And what I've read and what I hear you saying now is that the qualities of trust, not breaking your word, and commitment are so vital to create long-term success, sustaining Abs success. Absolutely, absolutely. And to me, I think the difficult thing in my, my own coaching work and in my work in putting together groups and, and things over the years is that... Um, a lot of people, I would even dare say most people, are interested in all the stuff that we're talking about today, Tammy, but when it comes to how they apply it in their lives, it usually ends up being, uh, and I don't want to be too uh, rough on them, but a hobby. It's, they, they treat it more like a hobby. 
So as soon as the pressure comes down, the first thing that gets cut is these spiritual commitments that you make. It's like it's the same thing that the man said to me when the CEO called me and said he wanted me to be the UPI's executive vice president. You know, he said to me, he said, you know, well, what, you know, what do you care? There's four or five kids. You just made this thing, this commitment just last week. He said, I'm offering you the real deal here. And he actually said to me, he said, you, he said if you can come up here to D.C., we have tons of universities and you can do whatever the heck it is you do here. And I turned around and said, well, why don't you move UPI down to Raleigh, North Carolina? And he said, my wife, Molly, will never go for that. And I knew his wife well. So I said, I said, Joe, I said, ah, there's plenty of women down here. <laughs> well, um, and the rest of the story is that that business ended up failing, didn't it? That business ended up going bankrupt. Yes. And uh, my right business choice. ended up flourishing. So choice. it's like, it's almost like as if, uh, I mean, and that's the way I looked at it, Tammy. I still look at it to this day. I don't want to get superstitious on people. I don't want to lay it on too thick. But I really think that I was tested in the desert. You know, oh, I yes. was, this was a great, yes. pro- this was one of my great trials, you know. What do you really believe, Augie? You know, it's like God's throwing something at me and saying, listen, you know, do you really believe what you're telling those kids? Or are you going to uh, bail out as soon as I offer you a lot of money? You know, it's like Jesus being tempted in the desert with, right. with power and money. No, I hear you. I think I was recently tempted myself with an opportunity. It seemed okay from the intellect, but it didn't resonate on a soul level as far as integrity and what I want to be about with this show, with the books, with what I teach. And I was like, you know, I think this might be a test. It's like dangling a carrot that isn't maybe the the, the true carrot that I want. So right. I, I think most people, maybe everybody can relate to what you're saying. And I think it's, and I wanna, it's but I pretty But I do profound. want to be clear. I said I was devastated when I turned down that job. I mean... No, it's not and, easy. No. <laughs> and, and, I, and I went home for the weekend, and I thought, you know, what are you doing, you know? Who are you that God Question. would send you uh-huh. a test, for God's sake, you know? This now, is it's just, like the devil and the angel on your shoulder having an argument, and you're in the middle going, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So something you write about, I love this quote so much, commitment may begin with a single decision, but there's all the difference in the world between making a commitment and becoming a commitment. Making a commitment leads to action, action leads to inspiration, and inspiration leads to an ever-deepening commitment. Until we wake up and we find that we're no longer committing, but have become irrevocably committed. I think that's so true. It starts soaking into your bones. It's not just a surface thought anymore. And it seems to me at that point, it was soaking into your bones. I mean, that's, and that's actually a theme that, that I work really hard on in Business Seekers to the Trappist Monks, that it's a becoming process. It's not a learning process. It's a becoming process. Mm-hmm. And it's not a static model. So as I mentioned there, I said, you know, most people think commitment is a static model. You know, you, one day you say, uh, you, you wake up and you make up your mind and you make a commitment. Um, but as I point out, I said, no, it's not a static model. It's a dynamic model because uh, is a person um, more committed on the day they say, or two people more committed on the day they say their marriage vows? Or after they've, weighed, uh, they've, got, they've gone through 20 years of the ups and downs of marriage, they're obviously much more committed to each other 20 years in, Right. Very good um, point. The same thing with going to the gym. Are we the most committed when we make the commitment and buy the gym pass or after we've been going to the gym for five years religiously? So it's a becoming process. We, be, you know, Aristotle, again, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not a choice. It is a habit that we become that way. And um, service and selflessness, what we're talking about here today, is a process of becoming. You know, I mentioned in the, uh, in the book there's uh, trans- all 
you can you can define all human motivation as a longing for transformation. Mm-hmm. And even uh, you know every acorn is longing to be transformed into an oak. Again, an acorn doesn't learn to be an oak; it is transformed into one. Mm-hmm. But there's three kinds of transformation. Um, when a thirsty man drinks, he transforms his condition. When a poor man hits the lottery, he transforms his circumstances. But when Mr. Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning, an utterly new man, he has experienced a transformation of being. And in my, my point that I argue, I hope, uh, well in the book is that we, we, we are, we, yes, we need transformations uh, of condition. We need to drink when we're, when we're thirsty and eat when we're hungry. And we, you know, and we need a, a house. Uh, when we buy a house, we've transformed our circumstances. But what we're real longing for is a transformation of being. We want to be a new person. We want to be transformed. And this transformation of being is always, as it is with Mr. Scrooge, a transformation from selfishness to selflessness. Mm-hmm. And this is what we, you know, this is what we're all looking for. And the, you know, the World Health Organization says that right now the biggest um, medical problem afflicting Western civilization is depression. And yes, there's a lot of reasons for depression, but one of the main ones, I believe, is that people are trying to substitute transformations of condition and circumstance for the transformation of being that they really want. For example, when we overeat comfort food, we are trying to fill our hole and our soul with food. I say that all the time. What is it that you're really hungry for? Exactly. And when you're trying to get, make money or power or bigger and bigger houses or more and more beautiful uh, trophy wives or whatever, you are trying to fill that hole in your soul with transformations of circumstance. But, yeah, the ego um, has a voracious appetite. and It's never going to be filled by virtue of uh, filling up no, with materialism or no, so uh, anything really outside look- of ourselves. Yes, and what we're really looking for is this transformation of yes. being. And this starts with this commitment and, and the commitment... The more energy we put into it, as you mentioned, the more inspired we get because we start to see results, and then we put more energy into it, so we get even more inspired, and and it multiplies and multiplies, and one day we wake up to find out we're a different person than we were when we started. That's so true. Here's another quote. We only have a few minutes left. I'm so bummed because I think I could talk to you for about four (laughs) or five hours, (laughs) four or five weeks. So... This is your quote at the end of your book. Love it so much. Today, the most exciting trend in business is the emphasis on authentic leadership and authentic brands. And authenticity means individually and collectively transcending selfishness through a transformation of being. Love that so much. I think authenticity is just absolutely vital. And I say find your authentic shape and the other pieces are going to show up. So you have about two minutes to tell me more about the power and practice of authenticity. Well, uh, as I point out in Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, there's a, uh, the, I, I define the, what the monks are doing as a transformational organization. And by the way, I use examples like AA and Marine Corps and, and other uh, organizations and apply them to my own business as well, how I built my businesses. But transformational organizations have three things in common. Uh, number one, they have a high overarching mission worthy of being selflessly served. Number two, they, they, tell, they give people an opportunity for this transformation on an individual basis. Um, and number three, they have a methodology for bringing that about. In the monk's situation, it's called the novitiate. In, in uh, AA, it's the 12-step program. In Marine Corps, it's uh, boot camp, for example. And to me, this, every, people join mon- the monastery to become more authentic people. Um, 
That's the whole process that you go through. You gradually become more and more selfless and you're more and more in touch with yourself and more and more honest. And that's what we mean by honesty, integrity, being who you really are. So I have a chapter about self-knowledge. This is everything. And when you have all these, when you are an authentic person in business or in life, people trust you, they come to you, they turn to you, and you find that you have a tremendous amount of control over, over your life. So it's a, and that has, again, be a byproduct. That's not the point. You're not going for the power. It's the byproduct. Go for the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added unto thee. Right. But the thing I like to leave people with, Tammy, is it is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. But the more you can... <laughs> I'm going to sit with that one for a little while. (laughs) It is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. And the more selfless you become, the better your business, professional, and personal life will work. Isn't that crazy? So sneaky. Absolutely. (laughs) I love it. So, August, if people are loving you and wanting to get a copy of your book, how can they find you? Well, they can find Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks on... uh, uh, Amazon on dot com, barnesandnoble.com. It's in a lot of Barnes and Noble's bookstores. They can also come to my website, www.august like the month, Turek, T is and Tom, U R A K dot com. Perfect. Well, this has just been such a pleasure. I hope you can come back and talk to us some more because I think that you have so much wisdom to share, so much knowledge, and, and you really walk the talk. So I've, I've just enjoyed our time so much together. Thank Me you. Me too. And to my guests, My listeners, my friends, thank you for hanging out with us today. It wouldn't be as much fun if you weren't with us. It wouldn't be a party without you. If you want to get a hold of me, please come to my website, TammyBPhD.com. Write to me with any questions, thoughts, ideas, suggestions. Get my guided meditation, my free ebook. Um, Just so blessed to have you in my life. So God bless you. Take care of yourself. Onward and upward. Bye for now. 